glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network and me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. This right here is going to be the, uh, well, unfortunately, the remake of the episode that me and Dennis did earlier this week. Is again, I kind of fudged that up, and I do apologize, but uh, we will be bringing him on here in just a few short seconds, I guess would be the easiest way to put it, and we will we are going to start talking about the NFC East. But of course, and as always, this whole episode is also brought to you by Ticks Blitz, the official ticket provider of the Pulse Podcasting Network. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With TixFlix, the price you see is the price you pay. And TixFlix just happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar. Search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. You guys, as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, I'm telling you, go check out this app and this website, Ticks Blitz. They are awesome. They don't do any booking fees, anything like that. You don't look for a ticket online and find something for, say, 50 bucks, and then when you get to check out, it's 72 45 with tax and booking fees and agent fees or whatever the hell all those other sites do. It's flat rate, guys. If the ticket says 50 bucks, that's what you pay when you get to the checkout. Uh, when you get to your checkout, it's awesome. I've used it. You can find anything on there. Concerts, sports, sporting events. They even have tickets for Comic-Con if you guys are wanting to go to the, go do that. I know I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this uh, are big Comic-Con fans. I am. I know. I, I'd love to go one time so you guys can find tickets for that as well. If you guys want to get a discount, use our promo code PULSE. Capital P-U-L-S-E. That's right. All capital letters. Pulse. Check out the website, guys. It's it's going to be well worth your time and save you guys some money. And without further ado, let's get Dennis on here and start talking about the NFC East. And as always, we've got Dennis with us today. Um, joining us, you can find him at culture underscore coach. He will be joining us today to talk about the NFC East and everything else. What's going on, Dennis? I am having a fantastic day. Thanks for asking. 
Hey, no problem. It's nice, uh, nice and early on the weekend, so things can, I guess, only go up or down from here. Is it's it started out pretty good. Uh, before we get into the NFC East, uh, we both wanted to kind of just touch on really quick the big breaking news that happened yesterday with Robert Kraft and the uh, the human trafficking stuff that came out. Um, I was just going to give my my quick points on it. I, I think it's a really big deal. Um, I know a lot of people are are kind of making light of it and talking about how it's not that big of a deal, uh, but to me it is. When you, when you add in human trafficking and and talking about how these women were being held against their wills and being forced to do stuff like this, uh, I cannot see how this ends well for him. And I'm not even just talking about an NFL perspective. I'm talking about how he could avoid jail time. I don't think that happens. Um, I do think that he's going to end up uh, having to sell the Patriots. So we saw Jerry Richardson uh, kind of be forced to sell the the Panthers after inappropriately touching one of his workers. Uh, and to me, this I don't want to I don't want to compare things and say something can be uh, worse than the other. But for me, if I had to say something like that, I would say this is almost a hundred times worse than what Jerry Richardson did. Um, so I, I personally don't see how he's able to keep the Patriots. And uh, in all honesty, how he avoids jail time, I think it's a pretty. Uh, not just embarrassing thing for him, but extremely, it's sick in my opinion. I can, I, I personally can't believe it happened, and I'm just, uh, I really don't think people should continue looking at this lightly and making jokes like I've seen uh, all over the place. Your thoughts on it? Well, you know, I think people can spend their money however they want, and the the difference between Kraft and Richardson, um, you know, this wasn't a workplace incident, whereas Richardson's was. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit before, and I, I work in human resources. So this isn't going to be a workplace thing. This was something that was off-duty. The real thing it's going to come down to was, did he have knowledge of how this place was staffed? Mm-hmm. And if there's any way that they can prove that he was aware, which is going to be hard to do, uh, but if they can prove that he had knowledge that there was trafficking going on there, then for sure he's going to end up uh, losing the team and uh, pro- probably jail time uh, would be my guess. But, you know, the type of jail he's going to go to uh, isn't going to really be quite uh, as uncomfortable as we might be used to seeing on TV. But it all, it'll all come down to what did he know. And, you know, he just has to prove, he just has to, to plant a reasonable doubt that, that, he, that, that there was no way he could have known. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's a little that's a little bit easier to do, I, I think. So I would expect he's not going to lose the team uh, unless they have unless somebody can produce direct knowledge of him talking about uh, knowing how the place was set up. Uh, I would be surprised if he lost the team. Will, will he get a, some sort of league punishment? Most likely for kind of bringing that embarrassment. But, you know. It's kind of one of those, you know, to me, you know, rich people doing rich people stuff. You know, I, I don't have money to throw around at those kinds of massage parlors. When I go get a massage, it's because I got an ache, ache in my back or my neck and I, I need a massage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's to me, it's less about the Robert Kraft than it is about the situation with the workers there. Uh, human trafficking is a real issue and I don't want it to get lost in the mix because the high profile client is an is an NFL owner uh of probably one of the greatest NFL dynasties we've ever seen. And 
I think the awareness needs to continue to be pointed at the the human trafficking part of it and how that can be addressed. Yeah, I agree with you on that part of it. I, I do hope that some light comes to this. I mean, you've seen... I don't remember exactly. I know Ashton Kutcher is one of them. Uh, all kinds of celebrities who have been proponents for stopping human trafficking all over the world. Obviously, other people too. It's not just celebrities. I just know he's one person that's very big on that. Um, and I, I do think that this will at least get some more light here in the near future because um, I, I was reading the article yesterday, obviously, um, and there was talks about the fact that there was even more high-profile people than Robert Kraft that got busted at this place as well. Robert Kraft obviously got a lot of news in this stuff that we watch because we're so into sports and everything, paying attention to that. So when that came across, I was like, oh, my God. But uh, there was apparently people that were more high-profile than him that were there as well when that uh, bust happened. And, and I agree with you on the human trafficking side. Like I said, it's not um, – you know, I, I, I just I, – I, there's really nothing else I can add to it. It really kind of bothers me the way some people talk about it so lightly. I, I do actually think, though, that they will – I really think that he's going to end up losing the team. I, I, you know, I could honestly see the easiest – I wouldn't say the easiest way. The um, Well, no, yeah, the easiest way for the NFL to get out of it would be something where they force him to sell the team or, or step down and maybe to have his son take over. I, and I could see that happening just to kind of get him out of the limelight wouldn't necessarily remove him from the Patriots franchise, but uh, maybe have him take a step back and his son be the face of it and everything. You know, I could be wrong, but uh, I just the way I look at it, even if even if he proves that he didn't know what was going on, the fact that he was there and that kind of stuff was going, we know what was going on. Uh, I think that, again, with just the way that the NFL is lately with all that stuff that's going on and, and owners making bad decisions, I could, I could see them making him sell. But, you know, I could be wrong. That'll be something that likely won't even happen this year. It's going to be something that will likely be determined once we find out exactly what happens and what charges and everything for sure he's being brought up on and if he actually gets charged with anything. All right, let's jump in now to the NFC East. So last year, um, as I feel like I've been saying this in every one of our episodes here lately, I uh, did not finish it all the way that I thought it would. Uh, but I thought that the Philadelphia Eagles, who came into last season as the defending Super Bowl champions, would end up winning this division again. Um, really was hoping to see Carson Wentz come back and and look good. Um, and he they didn't. They kind of I wouldn't say fell flat. They struggled there at the beginning of the season with Nick Foles at quarterback. Then came Wentz came back and just didn't quite look himself um and we saw the dallas cowboys end up winning the division taking the taking the division at 10 and 6 who they they themselves started out fairly bad uh then really once they got amari cooper really kind of jumped up we saw the washington redskins who were having a really good season at the beginning of the year until unfortunately alex smith suffered that season ending injury and then they kind of started to fall back toward the pack uh weren't necessarily great before the injury, um, right as the injury happened, but they were uh, one of the better teams in the NFC East. I remember that team that, well, obviously they finished 7-9, and nine, the Eagles finished 9-7. and seven. All three of those teams, for the most part, up until the last couple of weeks, were fighting for that division. And then we had the New York Giants, who pretty much sucked all season long. They've got a variety of issues. Um, you know, more and more issues just seem to be arising with that team. It'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. So with the Dallas Cowboys... They won the division at 10-6. and six. My biggest question for you and this team is the quarterback position. I think Dak has got to take a step forward in the next coming years for this team to really take off and for him to be the franchise quarterback. Do you think he has a chance to take a step forward? Well, I think so. I think he's exactly who he is as a passer. He isn't the 
going to put a team on his shoulders and consistently pass them to uh, wins. But if they start to uh, incorporate his running ability and his mobility, that's where he'll be able to take his game to the next level. So he already gets the decent touchdown numbers rushing for a quarterback because he he will sometimes make some stuff happen. But he's a big enough guy at 6'2", 230. He's, he's very solidly built, um, and he's got decent speed. So if Kellen Moore's, Moore takes a look at him and says, you know, we're going to get him moving more, we're going to get him out of the pocket, that's going to add another dimension to his game. And if they he rolls out and they think he's a legitimate threat to run at any time, that safety is going to start to creep up closer to the line. Those linebackers will creep up closer to the line, and that's going to open up a little more space down the field, and that will give him a little better opportunity to, to maybe add some more because he is then perceived as a legitimate threat to run, not just if something breaks down. That's really the opportunity, in my estimation, for him to grow. Gotcha. And see, um, I'm not 100% sure that he does, but you touched on, I think, the key factor for me right in there is Kellen Moore, who's the new offensive coordinator. I think it's all going to depend on the game plan that he calls for Dak. I just don't think Dak has the most accurate arm, and I think that he's going to have to win games more often throwing it than running it. Um, I do agree with you that fantasy-wise, if they kind of implement more running into his game, he'll still be good. He has finished right up in the top 12 or right around 12 every single year he's been in the league so far. So obviously he's doing something right because you can't finish just a top 12 quarterback and, and not be good. Um, I just don't think he's that good. Uh, I think he's really got to improve in the passing game. And maybe with Amari Cooper coming over, that'll happen. He did seem to be a little bit better uh, toward the second half of last season with Amari Cooper. Uh, I'm personally just not sold on him. I, I think Dak just kind of is what he is. I don't think that he's that special. Um, and in all honesty, I could see the Cowboys possibly moving on from him in the next couple of years. Well, if you compare him to another big running quarterback, say Cam Newton, Dak has a career 60, almost 67% completion rate mm-hmm. versus Cam Newton's career 59.7% completion rate. So if you take take those two uh, areas alone, the, the completion percentage, and then you add more rushing to it. So let's see what was... I'm going to bet Cam has rushed for substantially more yards and touchdowns. So if Cam starts to creep up in that area, it's going to be the, the place for him to to grow. And and he's he is more accurate. Yeah. Well, the one thing I'll say about that is um, I guess the easiest way to put it for, for Cam, we saw it this year, though, real quick with him. And um, goodness, I forgot what his is. It's not Marty Schottenheimer. Who is there? Who is his? North Turner. North Turner, there we go. North Turner used Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel, and those guys is not necessarily dump-offs, but gave Cam that option close to the line of scrimmage. I think the reason Dak has been so accurate over the years is because, for the most part, he's had Jason Witten, and that's Jason Witten and Cole Beasley right there in the line of scrimmage that he can just dump the ball off to whenever he needs it. In my opinion or my opinion, from my memory, I don't remember a lot of big plays that I can remember Dak made throwing the ball-wise. I mean, the one biggest one would have been the 
quote-unquote Dez dropped it play in the NFC playoffs games against the Packers. But other than that, I don't remember a lot of big plays from Dak that doesn't involve his legs. And that that's just kind of my thing. I understand what you're saying, and yeah, he's, I guess, proved it over his shorter career that he's been more accurate than Cam, but I think a lot of it is just due to the players he has around him. He hasn't had to take shots uh, where Cam used to take a lot of shots, and I, I think that's uh, the reason, if you look at this year, why Cam was so good is because he was starting to dump off to to uh, Greg Olson while he was there for a couple games, and obviously Christian McCaffrey is why he had that uh, such a great year. Uh, Cam had his second lowest rushing output of his career uh, uh-huh. this year, and Cam averages typically uh, almost 600 yards a season rushing, and Dak has been in the 300-yard range. Gotcha. So if those, if I agree with you that Dak has a tendency to throw shorter passes, um, but if if he can turn it around, let's see, Cam's oops, that's playoffs. Cam's YPA for his career is 7.3. Dak's YPA for his career is 7.4. Okay. Interesting. So, granted, Dak, Dak has a three-year career versus Cam's seven or eight years right. as it was. I, I can see him taking the step. I guess I I'm going to plant my flag on him taking the step this year. <laughs> I got you. Well, and I think we would both agree um, now as we both just touched on it that a lot of that is going to do – to deal with Kellen Moore, who, again, we've talked about now is the new offensive coordinator. He takes over for Brian Schottenheimer, who I did not think was a very good uh, play caller. Kellen Moore's never called plays before, so we'll see how that works. Obviously, they've come out and uh, talked very highly of him. They think he's going to be able to handle it. They brought in John Kitna to be the quarterback's coach, so that, I think, is going to be a big reason why he takes a step forward or back the play calling we know that he obviously has Mari cooper and zeke we'll see if they add anybody else i still like michael gallup i think he's going to be a good wide receiver we'll see what happens with cole beasley obviously uh he is a free agent um him and rod smith are really the big name guys on the offensive side so we'll see if possibly losing them or bringing them back will hurt this offense any on the other, or free agents, since I was just talking about those two, the big one is Demarcus Lawrence. Now, I know there was some talk the other day that he will not sign the franchise tag. The franchise tag uh, opened up, I think it was on Wednesday this past week, uh, so just a couple days ago. Uh, teams were allowed to start franchise tagging or transition tagging p- players. I have not seen any players get franchise tagged or transition tag yet, but I do know DeMarcus Lawrence came out and said that if they franchise tag him, he will not sign it. He will sit out the full year like Le'Veon Bell. Usually, uh, we would sit there and be like, oh, okay, he'll sit out maybe for a couple games, but since we saw Le'Veon Bell do it, I would not be surprised to see a lot of other players follow suit. Um, you know, you technically, yeah, you're going to miss a year of football and not get paid, but you also don't get any of that wear and tear on your body sitting out that whole year. You make your point. Most teams are not going to come back and hit you with that again, so we'll see what happens with Lawrence, um, your thoughts on Demarcus Lawrence, Cole Beasley, and or Rod Smith uh, entering free agency? Do you think all three back, any of them come back, or do you think they're all gone? I I think Smith is going to be allowed to walk as, as comfortable as he's been behind uh, Zeke. I, I just think they're not going to want to pay him. Uh, and he's going to – this is his – real. he's 27 years old. This is his <laughs> opportunity to try to make some money. So uh, unless he turns and looks and says, you know, I think we have a chance to really win it, and I would rather do that, he's probably going to have to take less money to stay in Dallas. Uh, I think somebody's going to look at uh, his agent's going to be showing those games where he filled in and he caught eight or nine passes and he showed 
showed that he could run the ball and they're going to be given the old, uh, you know, if he, if he wasn't behind the best back in the league, he'd have had more of an opportunity. So somebody will give him, give him a shot somewhere. I could see them bringing Beasley back just because he is, he is that safety blanket and transitioning to a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterbacks coach. That might be something I, I think it would be a mistake. I, I think Beasley is, he's, he's a jag. He's just a guy. Uh, I think if you were to put Gallup or Noah Brown in the slot, you would get uh, equal to better numbers from either one of them. And so I, I, I don't know that they – I wouldn't be working to bring Cole Beasley back. Lawrence, though, I would expect them to tag him. And I don't – he doesn't have uh, an – this is his chance to make money. And the franchise tag this – year for a defensive end is 18.6 million Mm -hmm. so and i understand he wants that big deal that long-term contract but the cowboys need to make that defense they need to keep it as cohesive as they can and lawrence has shown he's one of the top defensive ends so is he going to pass up that money when he it's it's not like love bell who's already i think bell has signed one extension already yeah, and he, he was has. at that point where he uh he was trying to he he was going for the mega bucks lawrence isn't in that same situation and i think when they look at how the bell situation plays out uh and he goes and he signs for less money then you know i don't think anybody's going to give him 50 or 60 million guaranteed or or whatever, forty-five million guaranteed. I, I think Lawrence is going to think better of the situation, and he's going to decide. You know, I wouldn't mind making a million dollars a week this year, uh, and if they tag me again next year, it'll go up. So, I think it. I think they add twenty percent to it if they tag you the second year. Yeah. So I think Lawrence will get tagged, and I think Lawrence will come back. Yeah, I think for me, Lawrence is obviously the most interesting one uh, for. For real life and for fantasy, I mean, he's very usually a very good IDP player for any of you who play in IDP. Um, and obviously, he's really the the big name on that defense. He's the one who's usually rushing and causing um, distribution and distribution disruption in the backfield, uh, trying to get to the quarterback. I would imagine they'd li- they likely get something done again. They've got forty five million dollars in cap space, so they have room. Uh, to to you know make some moves and everything bring back Lawrence to a decent deal. The one thing with them though is um, Dak Prescott. We were just talking about his deal is up, I believe, after this season, so he has to get paid soon. We've seen that Zeke Elliott has come out earlier this season. I believe it was at the NFL Honors Show. They talked to Jerry Jones about the fact that Zeke has come out and said that he might sit out the entire year if he doesn't get a new deal because he is being extremely underpaid for what he does as well. So now you're talking about having to sign those two guys and Demarcus Lawrence. Then you add into the fact that if they want to keep Amari Cooper, his deal is up at the end of this year as well. So while they have a lot of cap room this year to possibly bring some players in or maybe extend some of these guys, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. I know the past couple seasons they haven't had quite as much cap room to mess with. So in my opinion, though, you're not going to be able to sign all of those guys. So real quick before we get into – no, well, I'll give you guys my take on Cole Beasley first, and then we'll do the question. I want to ask you a question before we jump into the draft picks. Uh, for me, 
I agree with you that Cole Beasley, I think he's, I wouldn't say just a guy. I think he's a little bit better than that. We've seen him have some really good seasons. Um, I would imagine he comes back just based on the fact that I don't think any other team is going to sign him. I think he's a lot like Randall Cobb in the fact that I don't think any teams are really looking to bring in these small, this smaller aging slot wide receivers. They, so I don't think Cole Beasley really goes anywhere. Um, I know he's hinted at possibly wanting to go to Green Bay, but I don't think Green Bay wants to bring him in. I think they would rather just bring in Randall Cobb. Bring, bring Randall Cobb back. So uh, for me, I think the fact that nobody else is likely going to sign Cole Beasley makes me think that he'll eventually just return to the Cowboys on lesser money. Now there's a question I want to ask you real quick before we jump into the draft picks. Cooper, Zeke, Dak, and Lawrence. All those guys obviously wanting to get paid and paid big. If you had to not pay one of those four, who would it be? I'm going to, if I'm going to not pay one of the four, uh, I'm probably going to not pay Z. Wow. Okay. I'm okay. I'm, well, hear me, hear me out. Hear me out. So Zeke is three years into his career. He's got two years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. He's had a thousand touches in three years. Now there he's been their offense. So they have him under contract for the two years. And if he sits out his contract tolls. Right. So I think, I think that the Cowboys will provide some juice for his contract for the next couple of years. They're going to, you know, they might try to restructure to give him more money up front, maybe add a year on onto it, something like that. But I think they, they're going to need to move in a direction of bringing in a younger running back. Mm-hmm. Running backs just don't have that long a shelf life. And when you're getting, 330 touches a year. I, you know, he's going to have those. He's going to average. He's going to be pushing 350 touches a, again this year. Even even if Dak takes that step up, I don't think uh, Dak taking a step up takes any pressure off Zeke. It just lifts the entire offense, and maybe Zeke gets a little more room to operate, and he is the RB one this year. From a roster building perspective. I could see him getting franchise tagged uh, in two years and that, then he's six years in and then they let him walk or maybe they don't franchise tag him. They transition tag him with a first round tender. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to take him. So this year, I think the let's see the running back, the running back franchise tag this year, it's only 12 million. Uh, the, the transition tag is 9.8. Uh, it's kind of low. Yeah. Compared to some of the other positions, you know, Bell Bell is wanting to be paid like a quarterback, and that's why he can't seem to get a contract signed. Yeah. I think every top tier running back is going to be talking that same stuff. Quarterback, wide receiver, I do more. To, I do more for the offense. The truth of the matter is, running back is one of the more replaceable positions uh, in football. So Zeke is Zeke will likely get tagged in a couple years maybe they add a year on and they do some restructuring and give him some upfront money but it'll end up being that uh you know unless cooper ends up being more like the last couple years in oakland versus the first couple years and lawrence you know if something happens to him where he starts to tank or he gets injured or you know he takes the 18 and a half million dollar franchise tag and uh gets fat and happy you know who knows but if I'm looking at those three and it's two years from now, uh, a year from now, uh, Zeke is the one that I'm going to prioritize the lowest. Gotcha. 
And that yeah. hurts as an Ohio State guy. Yeah, I know. My um, I'm hearing a little bit of a sad violin going behind my head playing the uh, playing the Buckeye fight song right now. I was, uh, I was a little hurt by, by the fact that you said that. He's definitely never going to come on the podcast now because you said not to pay the man. I don't know what you're thinking. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, obviously, no, um, I didn't say don't pay him. I said <laughs> I don't think they will. Um, not the same thing. I'm married. I'm good with semantics. For me, I th- I'm torn between Dak and Cooper. I I, I think you pay Zeke. Um, for me, so obviously he's 23 right now, so he's like he's going to be 25 if he were to continue playing under his rookie contract till it comes up. I still think that gives you five years of elite of an elite running back. I mean, obviously not everybody's Adrian Peterson, but we've seen what he's been able to do. I think Dak could easily produce up until around 30. You can get five more years of an elite running back who hasn't been – you've never seen anybody like this for your franchise except for Emmett Smith, who was by far one of the best running backs we've ever seen. Now I'm not comparing the two, Emmett Smith, better than Zeke Elliott, but Zeke Elliott's well, Nobody ever heard of Tony Dorsett. I'm sorry? Nobody ever heard of Tony Dorsett. Oh, well, okay, sorry. I forgot about Tony Dorsett. I'll be honest with you. It's early, man, all right? I'm sorry. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Zeke is better than either one of them, but – He's right up there with him, in my opinion. So I think you pay him. I think you have to wait and see how this year plays out before you decide if you're going to pay Cooper or Dak. I think if Cooper has another good year like he did this year, I wouldn't mind paying him. He's shown that he can be the number one for this offense. Um, While I'm obviously not that big of a fan of his, I think he's a little bit overrated. If he can continue again to do what he did last year, he deserves to get paid. I would honestly... And I know this might be crazy to Cowboys fans. Entertain the idea of moving on from Dak after this year. Uh, depending on how the year goes and where you guys finish, there's a lot of quarterbacks that might be coming out in the draft next year. I know it's crazy to think, oh my God, we've got a guy who's been more than serviceable. He's taken us to the playoffs a couple times. Why move on from him? It's because I just think that, oh man, it's so hard for me to, to put in words. Tony Romo gets a lot of slack. Or, or a lot of crap, actually, from a lot of people around the around fantasy NFL that he couldn't get it done. Yet I think he really kind of got screwed out of his one chance to make it to the Super Bowl, and the Dez dropped it play. Um, but he he really just fumbled that. He had the one bad game against Seattle where he obviously fumbled the 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 extra point and cost him a win. Uh, and he gets that held against him a lot. I think Tony Romo was an infinitely better quarterback than Dak is. I think Dak gets all this praise because of when he came in his rookie year, took him to the playoffs, and everybody's like, oh, my oh my God, this kid is amazing. He's just mediocre. He's not that great, and I don't think he's a good enough quarterback to take you to a Super Bowl and win it, which I know is crazy when you have guys like Trent Dilfer and Matt. Well, I don't think Matt Hasselbeck actually won a Super Bowl, but he's been into a Super Bowl. You have these guys that were not good quarterbacks, made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Peyton Manning was – one of the best quarterbacks ever played the game, but his last championship, he was clearly barely on his last leg. That defense carried him to a championship. Unless they're able to get a championship defense, I just don't see Dak being able to take this team to a Super Bowl. So for me, it would be Cooper or Dak. Moving on to the draft picks. So this year, they have six draft picks in the 2019 draft and no first. Their biggest team needs are safety, defensive line, and tight end. 
which in all honesty is good for the Dallas Cowboys because the defensive line and tight end positions are very deep, fairly deep in this class. Safety, not quite as deep as those other two, but they have a lot of players kind of up in that top, the top two tiers uh, of the position in this draft class. How, ex- how would you attack this draft? Uh, obviously, they have no first-round pick because they traded that away for the Amari Co- or for, for Amari, not the Amari Cooper, for Amari Cooper. Um, your thoughts on just their draft picks and their their draft strategy going into this year? I think they they should probably, if, if they find a safety they really like at some point in the draft, they're going to need to pull the trigger on it, maybe bring somebody in in, in free agency. But the... Uh, with the draft being as deep as it is at tight end and defensive line, that's where I would go in the second round. Mm-hmm. I think in the second round, they'll be able to grab somebody that can come in and be better than the guys that they have in there. Uh, Schultz is Dalton Schultz was a, a decent pass catcher in college who didn't block much. Blake Jarwin's a few years into two or three years into his NFL career in while tight ends take a, a little longer to develop, I think Darwin might have played at Texas A&M in a, a very pass-oriented offense. So they need something. They need a two-way tight end. So finding somebody that can do that in the second or third round is really going to be very important uh, for them. Who that guy is, you know, it's a great question. I don't think Hawkinson is going to fall far enough. Yeah, there's no way. I think he'll probably go first round, maybe even early first or uh, early second at the latest. So they need somebody that's going to be able to push some people around. Potentially, Irv Smith might drop far enough, but I don't know if Smith at 6'4", 245, or 6'3", 240, we'll see when the combine rolls around. Uh, I think he's... he's uh, probably the most likely of the top three to be available for them. So that may have them address uh, tight end a little bit later. There are a couple bigger guys. Dawson Knox at 6'4 and almost 260 could be available in the fourth or fifth round. So going maybe going defensive line uh, earlier. I think in the second round, they're going to have to start to plan for who their free agents are. Mm-hmm. So you've got Dak, you've got Amari, you've got Zeke. You've got Lawrence. Where 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 are the holes you need to fill? You don't have a first round pick because you traded it for the Amari Cooper. So going in the second round and addressing a position, I would I honestly I think they're gonna extend Dak this offseason. Uh-huh. Going into next going into next season, it's his last year. Him and Cooper, I think that they know what they have with Dak. He's been there going three years, going into his fourth year. They know what they have. They only had Cooper for about half a season, and they've been able to look from afar and see the ups and downs that he has. So I think they're going to want to watch him all year this year to determine, hey, do we want to pay this guy? They've got Zeke under contract for two more years. So I would, I, I could see that being the process they go through. Well, let's extend Dak. Maybe they go you know, the three-year, $60 million route, something like that with Dak so that it doesn't get too out of hand. I don't think he's somebody you want to give a five- or six-year contract to, like some of these top-tier. But I definitely think he's second-tier, high third-tier as far as quarterbacks go. And you have to look at the alternative, 
when you're determining are you going to keep your guy or let your guy go. You know, we talk a lot in fantasy trades when we're making trades. And let's say I'm sending one guy and I'm receiving three guys. Well, who am I going to have to cut off my roster when I take those three guys on? Do I, do I like them or do I just not want those extra people? It's the same thing in the NFL. If you're going to let a guy walk, you have to have some idea who you're going to replace him with. So I think that I think they extend Dak at some point this offseason. It's Jerry Jones, so who knows? He might overpay and give him a five-year deal because, you know, he's kept Jason Garrett around for 147 years. Right. So they could, could very well do the same thing with Dak. Yeah, I think for me, you've got to attack this draft defensively. I think the reason their teams were so good uh, in the past, and really this past year, their defense was really good. I think you've got to hit on that safety and defensive line spot first. Um, I agree with you. I would go probably defensive line because it's a the better position in the draft this year. Uh, safety, again, while there's a lot of good guys, I would say there's probably four or five elite players. I think those all will likely get drafted before they get to them in the back end of the second round. Um, so I would imagine they'll go defensive line as it's pretty um, pretty deep in this year's draft. Um, I would attack tight end probably in the third or fourth round. Like you said, hopefully get a guy like Dawson Knox, who I think is still going to be good. Maybe a Jay Sternberger is a big guy, can play offensively. Needs a couple of years to develop, but you do have, as you just touched on, have guys like Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin who could probably start for one more year until Sternberger's ready. Um, so that's the way I would go. And in all honesty, once you get to like the fourth or fifth round, I'd probably try – Grab a wide receiver, too. I think that they've got a couple good wide receivers in this class that will fall fairly far just due to how deep this wide receiver uh, class is in this draft. Um, and get some guys in case you don't sign Amari Cooper. Uh, like I said, I like Michael Gallup. I think he's going to take a step forward this year. I think he's going to be very good. If you can get another really good wide receiver uh, to play with him on the other side or maybe in the slot, they got a lot of really good slot wide receivers in this class as well. I mean, it'd be very interesting to see what they do there. Um, for safety, in all honesty, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. And I think it is going to happen. I think they're just going to go out and sign Earl Thomas. Uh, he's wanted to come back to Texas. They want him. They tried to make the trade for him last year. Um, they just couldn't get it done with Seattle. I think that that's probably the route they're going to go. There are a couple other really good safeties on the free agents uh, free agent market. So I imagine since the fact that they don't have the first-round pick and are picking so late in the second, uh, they'll likely attack safety in free agency and then just use their uh, – rest of their picks on defensive line tight end and like I said I think grab possibly a wide receiver maybe an, another running back uh, to kind of come in and, and replace Rod Smith if he is allowed to walk well right. I know uh Tyron Matthew is recruiting Earl Thomas to Houston pretty hard oh yeah well I, I see him tweeting stuff at him it's gonna be interesting if relatively they, well. it's gonna be interesting if Houston resigns him I know they need the safety help as well but uh I think as good as Matthew was at the beginning of the season, he kind of fell off there. I don't remember how much money the Texans had, but they also have to re-sign Jadavion Clowney. So it'll be interesting to see if they just decide to go all defense there. And their offense is kind of set. But I, I've been obviously predicting in our free agent frenzy episode, which you guys can find and download on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Uh, I, I thought that, that Le'Veon Bell is going to end up there. So if they pay Le'Veon Bell, they're not going to be able to pay all three of those guys. So we'll see what happens with them. But... All of our Dynasty listeners' favorite part of these episodes, the Dynasty Risers and Fallers. Who is your Dynasty Risers on this uh, this roster, and who do you think might fall on this roster? Well, for the record, Houston has about $75 million in Ooh. cap space right now. Okay, so maybe they could pay all three of them. I was wrong. Um, 
I like uh, earlier we were talking about Zeke, and I, I kind of like him to step up. Now, I think he finishes RB six this year. Yeah. So I, I'm pegging him as my RB one. I think uh, Dak taking a step is going to open things up for Zeke a little more and give him uh, a little more opportunity. So I could see him putting up another 1,800, 1,900-yard season, something way up there because he he is a very dynamic runner. Yeah. Elliot showed in college and in the NFL, if he can get to the second level, he, he may take it all the way. He's He's got really good speed. Uh, so I, I can – uh, I'm pegging Zeke to step up into that RB1 spot. At tight end, I, I think uh, somebody has to replace Jason Witten. I honestly, I don't think Cole Beasley is the replacement for Witten. And so I, I think some combination or one of the two of Jarwin and Schultz is going to step up into relevancy this year. Uh, unless Dallas goes... If one of the tight one of the top three tight ends fall to them in the second round, then maybe uh, one of them can step in. But right now, I would peg uh, Schultz or Jarwin. Um, and since Jarwin started last year, uh, let's go with Jarwin to step up at the tight end and be a be a, at least a tight end to finish in the top twenty four. All right, yeah, so for me, my dynasty riser is going to be Zeke. Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, we both uh, obviously wrote for FLA last year. Uh, we did a consensus rankings between eight of us uh, that were ranking players there, and I had Zeke as my number one going throughout the entire process. I thought he was going to have a huge year, um, and really the only thing that held him back was touchdowns. He was uh, statistically better than almost all the other running backs in the game. He caught 70 balls this year, which nobody, including myself, even thought was going to happen. Um, it was just the lack of of touchdowns that kind of screwed him compared to all the other running backs ahead of him had multiple touchdowns um, and a lot more touchdowns than him my dynasty fallers on this roster are going to be uh Dak and Cooper I just don't I think they're going to take a step back um due to what they did last year I think was a little bit more of just the fact that nobody knew exactly how those two were going to work now you've got half a season worth of film defenses are going to try and do everything can again to force the ball away from Cooper and get him to try and throw it to his other guys and while I like Michael Gallup Gallup is very good at getting down the field and that's where Dak struggles in my opinion where Amari Cooper he doesn't I don't think is much of a burner. He's more that guy that'll get you like 10, 15 yards, and then he can get open and, and make big plays, but he's not someone who's going to blow by people like Michael Gallup is, and I think that's where Dak struggles. So I think Dak and Cooper are taking a step back next season. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at PulsePodcastNetwork.com. I'll say it one more time marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com and we hope to hear from you soon all right 
moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, they finished 9-7 and seven last year, and a lot of it due to the fact that they had inconsistent play at the quarterback position, whether it was due to the fact that Carson Wentz was hurt going into the season. We saw Nick Foles. Then Carson Wentz came back and just struggled the entire time uh, that he was the starter, really started getting going, and then ended up hurting his back and was removed for Nick Foles yet again. Do you think going into the 2019 season, or throughout the 2019 season, that Carson Wentz can return to his MVP form. Part of the uh, thing that will help him get there, Nick Foles is leaving. He declined his option. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's going to go sign somewhere else. And so, while I never got the sense that Wentz was looking over his shoulder, something's going to play on your mind when you you were doing great and then you got injured and your backup took a team to the Super Bowl championship. Yeah. That's going to be back there. You you can't you can spend an awful lot of hours with a sports psychologist and I don't know that you're going to ever quite shake that one. Can he return to form? I, I think he can. I think he has really really good tools. He's got a good arm. He's got uh he's he's accurate. Uh what's his completion percentage here? Uh Completing 69% last year, he was in the low 60s his first two years. Last year, uh, even though the the result wasn't coming uh, as far as wins and losses, he was doing pretty good. It looks like he was throwing some shorter passes, and I don't know if that was a function of uh, the players. Uh, I think Jeffrey was out at the beginning of last year. Can he return there? I think he can. Um the Eagles need to find a running game. Having a decent running game takes some pressure off the quarterback. Uh, you've got Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. you got two plus tight ends. Um, Jeffrey's there, but Aguilar and uh, Tate – and uh, actually, I don't think Aguilar is a free agent. Tate is leaving via free agency most likely. So they're going to need to have somebody step up into that third receiving role. Uh, Jordan uh, Matthews is a free agent as well. So they're going to need a third wide receiver to step up there. That's going to be really the the part that I guess a quarterback often is as good as his supporting cast. And so if the Eagles can stay healthy and find a consistent rushing attack, you know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be 105 yards at the game. It just has to be consistent in how it produces. And if they can find that with the players they have, I don't know that Peterson's ever going to be angling to bring in uh, a top five running back. I think he's of that committee school. And so he's going to be looking for somebody that can get the tough yards on the early downs and short yardage, somebody that can catch the ball on third down. I think the group of Adams and Smallwood, uh, Clement, uh, they're all, they all play a certain role. But again, when they're in there, it also kind of dictates to the defense what's going to happen. So getting that game to the running game to be consistent is going to be a big push for Wentz being able to return to his MVP form. Yeah, for me, I think a lot of it is really just going to. Re- be his health. Uh, I think we've seen him play very good with uh, good and bad pieces around him. I think he's a very good quarterback. Uh, I know he's kind of got a um, an injury 
uh, I wouldn't say bubble, but like an injury aura around him that people think he's very injury prone now. I just think it's been two years of extremely different but bad injuries. I don't necessarily think he's injury prone, but I do think he's obviously got to stay upright to, to, to be able to show us that he can return to that MVP form. But I do think he can very easily. He's got enough weapons around him, in my opinion, already. I do think it's obviously going to be very hard for them to add players. We're about to get to their free agents and cap space here, but I think that he should be able to do it. I think he could very easily jump back up to that fantasy uh, top 12 and, and be still a, a top-tier quarterback in the NFL as well. Just based on his talent alone, he just has to stay healthy and possibly limit the, the running a little bit or at least getting down when he's running, not diving and you know, destroying his knee, maybe just slide like Russell Wilson does or get out of bounds and then save your body a little bit there, Carson Wentz. Uh, for the free agents, you were touching on a couple of them there. Obviously, the big names on the offense, Golden Tate, Mike Wallace, and Jay Ajayi. They are also losing, well, I shouldn't say they're losing, but likely losing Brandon Graham and Ronald Darby. Graham is the biggest name for me. So I think he's one of the better defensive players on the market right now, but the Eagles are going in with negative $1.7 million in cap space right now. So they still have a chance to restructure some deals. They have a lot of money on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, they might be able to restructure some of those deals uh, to allow them to get some extra money to pay some of these guys. I can't imagine Golden Tate, Mike Wallace, or Jay Ajayi come back anyways, uh, but Ronald Darby or Brandon Graham would be a guy, one of those guys to target. I would target Brandon Graham if I were the Eagles front office. However, the one thing I'll touch on with them is they have a lot of very young players that look poised to take over in positions. I think this Eagles roster is very good and very deep. It's much better and much deeper than a lot of people think. Now, of course, all that has will have to be played out with those players. The the younger guys have to step up and step in and be good, but I think a lot of them can. You know, just for instance, Sidney Jones, I think he could easily come in and replace Ronald Darby. He tore his Achilles at the Combine last year doing drills, or I think it was his pro day, one of those two. Um, he was considered to be a top 10 to 12 pick last year and fell into the second round to the Eagles, and they took him. I think he has a chance to be a very good NFL player if he can come back from, obviously, not quite easy to come back from an Achilles tear, but he's already over a year away now at this point. Um, so I think that he'll be just fine going forward. So they do have a lot of young players that I think could step up here and be very good. Uh, would you try and bring back any of these free agents, or would you just try and stick with the roster you have? Well, I, I think Brandon Graham would be nice to bring back, but at 31 years old, he's kind of at the end of his prime, and he didn't you know, he was he was a, a really good defensive lineman, is a really good defensive lineman, uh, but I don't think he was ever uh, all pro quality. Just about anybody can make a pro bowl because so many people sit it out. Mm -hmm. uh, Haloti Nada is another defensive lineman at 35 years old that I don't see him bringing back. So they're going to have to address Chris, Chris Long, 34 years old, is a free agent. They've got some age on their defensive line. And so they're going to end up having to probably bring in some lower tier free agents because of their cap space. I expect their defense probably to, to take a hit this year uh, because as you pointed out, they have an awful lot of money wrapped up in their uh, offensive line. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the numbers on uh, spot track, it isn't just that they have a lot of money on the offensive line this year, but the, the cap hit, if they cut them, 
dead cap for Lane Johnson, 11.3 million. Dead cap for Brandon Brooks, Brooks, 11.1 million. Uh, Jason Kelsey, they could let him go, and there's no dead cap. Uh, but a couple of those guys are up there. And so Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks aren't going to be going anywhere because of the issue they have with the dead cap space. Kelsey, maybe they move on from him. They've got Stefan Wisniewski, who is a good all-purpose interior lineman, but I don't know if he's a great one. Uh, he could step into the center and hold hold over. Uh, hold the fort down for a year or two, but he's definitely going to be a downgrade from Kelsey. So bringing back the the defensive line free agents, those older guys, if they come back, they're going to come back on pretty close to veteran minimum deals. I could see maybe Chris Long doing it because he he is a, I believe in the team kind of rah-rah guy. So I could see him do it. I think Brandon Graham is gone. Uh, they could bring back a cheaper version of Brandon Graham. I think Vinny Curry is a free agent. Uh, I think Tampa cut, may have cut him or his contract expired. And so he's, again, he plays the same type of game as Graham. He's just not quite as good, so he's going to come cheaper. All right, so moving on to the draft picks here. So they have seven picks, two second-round picks, one of them being theirs, and uh, they've got – the Baltimore Ravens pick as well. They pick at 25. Their biggest needs is defensive line, as you were just talking about, an aging defensive line, losing a couple of those players likely this year or next year due to free agency and age. Uh, but really, all their needs are on defense, which, again, is good for them because this class is loaded with defensive players, defensive line, edge rushers, and safeties. With seven picks in the draft, would you address all defense? Is that their biggest needs, or would you try and split some out and possibly go some offensive weapons as well? For me, I would definitely attack defensive line and edge rushers in the first two rounds, maybe even first three. And then after that, I would try and grab at least one wide receiver um, because I don't think Alshon Jeffrey is very good. And Nelson Aguilar is very good in the slot, but not a very good outside guy. So I'd try and get someone that could play outside with Alshon Jeffrey. Um, And then I might try and grab another running back because, as you just pointed out, Doug Peterson likes to use what seems like 10 of them every day on game days. So I would definitely try and possibly grab yourself a running back in the fourth, fifth round if there's still some decent value left or decent value guys left on the board at that time. Your thoughts on their draft picks and draft strategy? Yeah, I, I think there's lots of really good depth uh, at defensive line. So picking at 25, you know, you're going to be able to maybe find one of these edge guys, uh, Brian Burns, maybe Zach Allen, dropping a little later into the second round on the edge, maybe a Jalen Ferguson or Joe Jackson. But I think, too, they're going to need to address their offensive line, probably more so than the wide receiver. They've got a couple guys on their team that I'd like to see if they can grow into their positions. Mac Hollins, I think, is a, a big good speed wide receiver and couldn't be just the guy to succeed Alshon Jeffrey and maybe play that other outside wide receiver role as the wide receiver three this year. I'm a little higher on Jeffrey than you are. I think he's a, I, I think he's a actually a, a pretty good receiver. Uh, he does disappear sometimes, which is can be puzzling. And so I don't know if the, they just go away from him, or if it's a situation where if you don't get him involved early, you uh, he and he tends to just disappear sometimes. 
But when he's on, man, he is on. As far as the offensive line, there are there are some good guys that they could address later in the draft. Center like Eric McCoy out of uh, Texas A&M or Garrett Bradbury from NC State might be able to step in. They have some uh, good guys later in the draft. Uh, Garrett Brumfield, Drew Samia out of uh, Oklahoma could be fourth or fifth round guy. Really showed some good stuff at the guard position. So there is the, the possibility. Jason Peters is 34, 30, uh, 36 years old, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's making good money, and lately, uh, the last two or three years, has been uh, fairly injury-prone. Uh, are they ready to move Lane Johnson to left tackle, or are they going to keep him at right tackle and, and find somebody? Uh, I, I think when they drafted Johnson, he was the heir apparent to the left tackle spot. He's been so good at right tackle, I think that uh, – They've used other people at left tackle when Peters has been out because Johnson has been so good. Maybe by now they've deemed he's just not left tackle material. We're going to keep him at right tackle because he excels there. So I, I would be, I agree they need to add a wide receiver later in the draft, but they also have two really, really good tight ends. And from a, semantics perspective Ertz is essentially a big slot receiver all right so moving on to our dynasty risers and fallers my riser is Josh Adams um as something you talked about here at the beginning of the episode with Doug Peterson and splitting up the way that he uses his running backs I think Josh Adams um could come in and easily be the first and second now running back kind of running guys over we we've seen that he's not quite that good at uh, in the receiving part of the game but you know what that's all right because you have Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement who are you could use both those guys I would think Corey Clement more as the receiving back and then bring Wendell Smallwood in as a very good change of pace guy because I think at times he showed he could handle the rock um, and he was very good at that change of pace role he would come in and really kind of give the defense something they haven't seen a little bit of quick speed and when he's out there you don't know if he's going to be catching the ball or running with it where you do kind of know for the most part what they're going to be doing if Josh Adams and Corey Clement are out there. My dynasty faller is Alshon Jeffrey, um, and in all honesty, I, I agree with you. He's not as um, – I think he's a high-end wide receiver too uh, for fantasy, but my biggest issue with him is, well, Carson Wentz is going to be throwing him the ball next season, and he just doesn't seem to go to him as often as Nick Foles did. If Nick Foles was behind center, I would be all for Alshon Jeffrey, but as long as Carson Wentz is his quarterback, which is hashtag not his quarterback, uh, I do think that he will. Uh, he, he's going to fall down a little bit this year compared to what he did last year. Your dynasty risers and fallers on this roster. Well, I'm a I'm a big Mac Collins fan. Uh, I, I kind of grabbed him and over the last year or so, and have been stashing him at the end of my bench, letting him work through his injuries and. I think he's going to be healthy going into this year and have the opportunity to step up and play that third wide receiver position. Audition for Alshon Jeffries' role. So I like Hollins to step up in that uh, and maybe even finish as a top 40 wide receiver. I could see that um, coming out of uh, Philadelphia because they are going to throw the ball. Uh, they're going to have a fairly heavy pass lean on their run pass. I do like Josh Adams as well. I think if he gets 190, 200 carries and 800 yards, I think that's a good season for him uh, because he's not going to catch the ball. He may have, you know, 10 targets on the entire year. So if he gets 200 carries and puts up 800 yards, eight touchdowns, 
that's a very solid season for him. I, I kind of am going to talk out of the other side of my mouth on my, my faller here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I expect Zach Ertz to drop a few notches in the tight end. Uh, I think Dallas Goddard is a good enough talent that he's going to get some legitimate playing time and, and looks. They're going to run a lot of two tight end, and Wentz is going to go where the open person is, and Goddard gets open. He's a, he's a good two-way, really good two-way tight end, and so I think Goddard's going to take a step up. So what's that mean for Ertz? Well, he drops from tight end two or three down to tight end six, maybe, tight end five. In part because of volume, I don't think he's going to catch 120 passes again this year. Uh, that was he, he just had a crazy amount of volume last year, uh, and I don't, I don't know that that's going to going to be repeated. So I don't I don't think he has anywhere to go but down. I think it's going to be near impossible to maintain that volume. So I'm gonna I'm gonna peg Ertz for for a slight decline. I think if if you're a top five if you're a top five or six tight end, that's still great. But if you're expected to be a, a one, two, or three, it's a it is a drop off. Gotcha. All right. Well, since we uh, actually did a lot of breaking down here on the Cowboys and Redskins, and obviously took uh, about twenty minutes of this first episode to talk about the Robert Kraft news, which was a serious subject, and I did want to talk on. Uh, we're going to end this first podcast here with the Cowboys and Eagles talks the best two teams in the division, at least last year. Uh, Dennis, where can we find you again on Twitter and any of your uh, articles that you put out? Well, you can find me on Twitter at culture underscore coach. Uh, I retweet and tweet like a madman over there. And uh, I write for DynastyNerds.com, so you can catch my work over there. I just released uh, your first off-season and Dynasty article. Lots of great stuff coming out of the Dynasty Nerds content. Obviously, you can find me here on the Fantasy Football Roundtable on the Pulse Podcast Network. Yeah, and I agree with you on the Dynasty Nerd stuff. Uh, we're actually both in a draft right now with them, and uh, hoping that at some point in time, once it starts getting wrapped up, we can jump in there and talk about that, give people kind of an idea of where uh, we as uh, experts kind of went in a super flex draft. It would be very interesting to talk about that because we both have kind of gone two different routes in our draft strategies. Uh, guys, again, if you have time, please rate review and subscribe to the podcast we would both really appreciate it uh, again you guys can check out the pulse podcast net- network.com as well uh, we have a lot of cool gear on there and a lot of other really great podcasts uh, you guys can also find our stuff with ticks blitz on there as well that i talked about earlier in the podcast and uh, come back later today because we will not be done this is uh, just the first part of the nfc east we will get uh, part two of the nfc house later today you guys uh later and dennis thank you again for joining me Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.